Hello and welcome to D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we have a fascinating episode lined up for you. Joining us will be Larissa Hildebrand, founder of a unique pillow brand that is revolutionizing the way we speak, Henry at henry.com. Larissa shares her inspiring journey as a solo founder, her passion for sleep and self-care, and the challenges she faced in creating a premium product that really hadn't been done before. Get ready to learn about the power of organic growth, the importance of understanding your target audience, and the future of retail for D2C brands. Hope you Enjoy it. On with the show. One thing I learned from last year, I did a lot of influencers. I tried TikTok and realized that the people actually buying our product were over 50 and they're not on TikTok. Like some of them are, but that's not the primary place that they are. And so I think that's another reason why getting into more traditional channels has worked. We've been testing different pop-ups. We just did a show over the weekend and getting in person with people has been huge. A, from a market research perspective, but also just seeing the reactions of people who touch the product. They touch it and they understand it. So for me, retail is a place that I'm really thinking about right now and is gonna be a big focus for next year as well. Larissa, welcome to the D2C podcast. Can you start by telling me why you built Henry? Yeah, so this goes back to 2020. I was in lockdown and Sleep has always been a really important thing for me. It was super important for both my physical health, but also my mental health. I'm someone who tends to burn out really quickly. I've always worked um, in tech for most of my career and you know the hours can be quite long and it's very easy to start to skip sleep or stay up a bit later or wake up a bit earlier and, and all of that. So um, I was really focused on how can I optimize my sleep and make my sleep the best it can possibly be. And obviously a pillow is a huge part of that. And for years I had been going through pillows. I can't tell you how many of these pillows that I would buy and think that this pillow was finally going to be the solution to, to all of my problems. And then a couple months later, it was like a pancake. And Isn't that like everyone's uh, experience with like every pillow pretty much? Does anyone really like I've had a few pillows like now I can't even think back to any pillows that I really love. Like maybe, yeah, for those first few months, they're good. But like, yeah, and, and you want to love your pillow. It's a very intimate relationship you have with your pillow, you know. You do. And it's so individual. People are very, everyone, if you ask, I ask everyone, I meet, you know, what pillow are you using and do you like it? And often a, they have no idea what they're sleeping on or when was, when they bought it or sometimes where it was even from. It's been so long since they replaced it, but it is this universal experience where people just hate it or they have multiple and they start to stack them. And then you get into a situation where one pillow wasn't enough or wasn't good enough. And then now you've got two and it's too much. And if you've ever woken up with these mystery neck pains and said like, I must have slept in the wrong position last night or something like that, right? It often case is your pillow. And I think we spend a lot of time thinking about the mattress. The mattresses, I, I feel like we all grew up with these ads of you know mattress companies. And I, I mean, for myself, I always thought, that was the most important thing was the mattress. You have to have a good mattress and invest in it. But when it came to pillows, it was like, okay, this $10 pillow is totally fine, right? Um, and yeah, as I got older, that was just it, it, not the case. It, they were not working out for me anymore. And I was super frustrated. And I was lying in bed one night, just 
complaining about it. And my husband just said to me, well, why don't you solve it then? Why don't you go, <laughs> why don't you just go build one yourself? You also mentioned like you, because you had done so much research, you literally bought dozens and dozens of these pillows and you found no matter how high end you get, they're basically all the same technology. You're just paying for the label if you're buying a Ralph Lauren pillow, right? Pretty much. So I actually went and when I decided to actually start working on this, I took scissors <laughs> to my pillows. I'm sure there's a better way of doing this than just cutting them with scissors, but I started hacking up the pillows on my bed and I had bought them from different places. You know, they had all these different names for materials and, you know, funky names for the technology that was in them and, and all of these things. And I started to open them all up and on the inside, they all looked almost identical. And so I had kind of this aha moment of like, you know, in this, this is such a strange market <laughs> pillows, but people are, it is really hard for consumers to figure out what they're buying. There's so many different names. Polyester has like 10 different names. If you, I, sometimes um, I've taken videos where I walk down the aisle in like HomeSense and look at all the different pillows and then you look at the materials inside and it's, it's really the same thing at the end of the day. And does anyone really use just full memory foam pillows anymore? Those are, those, those things give me the creeps. Memory foam pillows are just too like marshmallowy or something. I don't know. So people do because I ask people all the time and I get such a wide range. But the thing with the kind of like a solid block of foam is that's not one size fits all, right? So you're getting one size of a block and how, what percentage of people does that actually fit? right? So everyone sleeps in a different position. You have different mattresses. So I might have a firm mattress and someone else might have a soft mattress. So the way my pillow fits isn't going to be the same. You know, we're all shaped differently. So pillows are so individual, but we go and think, okay, a hundred people can just, you know, buy the same one and it's going to work for us, which is really not the case. Posturepedic has made a whole thing on beds that are adjustable to exactly what you want. But why don't we have any pillowpedics? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, oh, that could, that we, we'll get into we'll get into the brand in a little bit, but Pillowpedic might be might be a goldmine for you. It probably um, trademarked that. <laughs> yeah, it, it might be. It might just be. But what, I think one of the coolest things about your journey is just how de dedicated you've been to it. And in, again, you're you're innovating a category that hasn't been disrupted in a long time, as you found out. So talk about your process of like. First of all, finding the product and actually like building the product that solved your, your issue. Yeah. So I knew nothing about manufacturing before going into this. Um, so it was a, a very interesting and eye-opening process. I had had, I had dabbled in e-commerce before, but more in like white labeling side of things, not really starting something from, from absolute scratch. So I knew that what I wanted wasn't on the market. Um, I actually went to... Um, it was actually, I think the Bay we went to and, and just bought, um, one of everything pretty much like just tried to get, you know, one, um, just solid foam, one feather, one, this and that, and just really figure out from there, you know, of all of these things in the market right now, which, which of these are the best and then start to narrow it from there. So what I did was I am a very analytical person, <laughs> as you might've already noticed, but, um, I created a spreadsheet. Of course, that's kind of where I start with everything and labeled all of these pillows with a number on the tag. So kind of wrote a number on each one, um, and then put those into the spreadsheet and made different categories to score them on. So 
things like, you know, how well was the sleep rated by a sleep tracker or how comfortable was it? How, did it keep its loft overnight or was it hot or, you know, all these different factors that you would, that would be important for you looking for a pillow and then slept on all of them, gave them all a week. And then my husband and I both would sleep on it and then, you know, rate them by the numbers. They were all under these like protective cases. We couldn't figure out which one was which, which was the, the whole idea. We wanted it to be a blind test without brands or anything like that, different price points. And then went back and, and kind of aggregated all of those scores. And that was our starting point. Um, and then from there, just started to like what I call Frankenstein, these pillows together where I would take maybe the cover from one and then the interior from a different one and really just start to uh, mix and match. Uh, and then from there, you know, doing research as well on different materials that, that we could use because there was a lot that was important to me. I had a lot of non-negotiables, so sustainability was a big one as well. Um, and just, you know, what? how can I make a pillow that will keep its loft, be supportive, be something that works for everyone, especially since we are selling this a online and we we don't want to carry like you know 75 different pillows that that could fit everyone um, how different were you and your partner's uh, ideals of the perfect pillow were you were you kind of like because i feel like what you just described there is like what everyone wants as your perfect pillow a little bit supportive the right give breathable would be a big one for me um so, so how closely aligned were you on that how fine like how i guess i guess a lot of it comes down to the size of the pillow which is adjustable with your model mm -hmm. there was obviously variations when we were doing the spreadsheet but not huge variations and i would say going into it we both had we would have said something different about what we were looking for i think my husband would say he wanted like a super firm pillow and i would be somewhere in the like mid to soft so yeah it was interesting but when you're taking away the factor of just do I find this comfortable and looking at different things like, um, you know, did this, did, did I just fall into the mattress, <laughs> you know, or did I, my neck actually stay up? Um, you know, it, it takes a bit of that subjectivity away from it. So let's talk about just how you've actually solved the problem. How, how have you solved the problem that other pillow makers haven't? So one thing is the adjustability obviously is the biggest thing, which is it fits everyone. So our pillows are hundred percent adjustable. We send them with probably more stuffing than most people need. Uh, we didn't want anyone to have to request more. So that's something I didn't want. I didn't want anyone to say, oh, this wasn't the right size for me and then feel in need or, or you know, not everyone's going to even reach out. Right. So I didn't want to do that. I also didn't want to you know, have to charge anyone extra for, for more filling. So we send them very full and then you can take away as much as you need to until you find the right size. So that's going to be different for a side sleeper or a back sleeper. If you're a side sleeper, you'll generally need a higher loft. You're trying to fill a lot more space between your neck and, and the mattress. So start from there. And then, and then I tell people just a handful at a time, honestly, can make a difference. It doesn't, it sounds like it wouldn't, but it really does. And you're getting the best of both worlds with organic, like fluffiness and the actual sort of support and better aspects of memory foam while allowing the memory foam to be breathable, which is its biggest weakness. So I, I think I like where you're going with it. What's the, tell, tell everyone about the material that's used, the organic material. Yeah, so we mix Assertive Pure Memory Foam. So that is like an environmental or kind of like a better for you memory foam standard. And we mix that with um, a natural fiber called KPOC. So a lot of people 
pronounce it in different ways. It's, it comes off of the Kapok tree. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, it has been embedding for honestly centuries. And I talked to some people who, you know, grew up in, in climates where it grows and they had it grow in their backyard and, and used to like stuff cushions with it. So it's something that's been around forever, but I think potentially my, my biggest guess is that with the rise of cheaper materials like a polyester, um, like a, any synthetic kind of stuffing, people stopped using K-pop and it, it's coming back. I feel like it's having a comeback. So when we selected that, this I mean, this was a few years ago now when we, when we discovered it, but it is this like super fluffy. When I show it to people, they usually say it looks like cotton. So it's very soft kind of fluff, like natural fluff. And it gives a softer kind of squishier feel to just having like chunks of memory foam in your pillow. But it also doesn't fall flat as as quickly as something like a like a synthetic or a polyester so when you have materials like that like those pancake pillows you know they compress over time they start to go flat i wanted our pillows to last with you so i don't want you to have to replace it in six months so it gives that kind of bigger loft and really um really just a better feeling to the memory foam but you still get the support super cool so you put together the product Talk a little bit about the entrepreneurial journey because it's been a it's been a long haul to get this product exactly the way you want it. So, and I think there's a lot of people in our audience who can probably relate to uh, to to your plight. So, yeah, talk a little bit about that journey. Such a journey, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it is incredible. Even just looking at the product today, we were at a trade show over the weekend and just seeing where we are now compared to three years ago is is kind of remarkable. But everything from the the like all the way down to the zippers like i'm very particular very picky and obviously wanted it to to last so it took multiple rounds of of testing so we tried a few different manufacturers where we would get different samples tried a couple different iterations of the cover. I actually have a sample, an old sample behind me where we had a larger gusset. So we tested different sizes of gussets, which is that kind of strip that you have along the side that gives you like a bit of a higher loft. Um, and yeah, the cover as well. I mean, all of our fabrics are Oikotex. Um, we use an organic cotton on the outside for the breathability. So everything is very, very particular, but we really started with with the interior filling and also tested different mixtures as well. So how much KPOC versus how much memory foam. So we would get samples from the manufacturer with different you know, percentages of each. Um, and then we would sleep on those for a while. And because you have to sleep on it, you, know, you can't just sleep on it for one night. You have to sleep on it for multiple nights to really get a feel for it. So it did take a long time to, to complete the manufacturing process. Also a great pun. Uh, joke situation because every decision you have to make you literally have to sleep on it (laughs) marketers if you're finding yourself manually creating segments on Shopify and then waiting 20 minutes to download just so you can upload to Google Meta or Attentive to keep your audiences in sync try Trestle Segments Segments makes segmentation easy and profitable choose from pre-built audiences backed by data or make your own Segments will keep synced across Klaviyo Meta, TikTok and more They've just launched Filter GPT, so now you can segment using natural language. For example, just say, customers who bought during last year's holidays but ghosted since, and voila, it's done for you, ready for retargeting. Isn't AI wonderful? Try it today at trestle.co slash DTC. That's T-R-E-S-L dot co slash DTC for a special offer. Let's talk a little bit about how you've grown the business. Like, uh, because you have, I know you have a few hot takes here. 
You're talking about not using ads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always find that interesting. You know, we come from an agency, uh, D2C is, you know, uh, partnered with Pilot House, of course. And so I'm always interested in brands that have gone the route of of not using the sort of like input output aspect of, of social media and like Google advertising. Yeah, so I've tested a little bit. Um, it's funny because I used to actually, I worked in, in pay-per-click a long time ago. Um, I worked in an agency. Uh, I also used to teach marketing and I would always tell entrepreneurs to not be afraid of spending money on ads. And it's so much easier to tell other people that True. <laughs> when it's your own money, it is uh, a different story. So yeah, when I started, I did some testing and I, I never really saw the ROI that I wanted to see. It's not to say we'll never test it again, that we'll never go back to ads. Maybe we'll, we'll have a chat after this and see. But um, yeah, it wasn't one of those really obvious things. The acquisition cost, I wasn't super happy with. It was okay, but um, I'm, I'm much more interested in growing more slowly and, and growing more profitably than just kind of, you know, spending a ton of money. So I think we've, it's been a slow burn since day one. We just launched last year at the beginning of the year and we tested, well, quite a few channels um, and saw kind of what worked and what didn't. But I would say where it, it's also about the product, right? So if you think about pillows, people are doing a lot of research typically. So where we have done well and where we did well since day one was through affiliate and a lot of kind of um, articles. So getting into those articles where people are reviewing pillows, talking about them, ranking them, all of those were kind of where we saw a lot of our growth last year and continuing to invest in that on kind of like a less affiliate basis this year, we actually started to invest in, in PR. And I did a lot of PR on my own, PR outreach on my own last year. And it, the amount of effort it takes to do on your own <laughs> versus the reward, I actually made the decision this year to hire externally and hire someone to support us on PR. And, and that was a really big shift for the business. I want to dive into that, but I want to just back up too on the on the getting into lists and things because I think that's that's sort of is that literally as simple as seeing who's written it, finding out who who they are, contacting them, and saying, "Hey, how do I be a part of this?" Like, just describe the process of actually getting into those lists. Yeah, that's exactly the grind. I would find, I would look, basically go to Google and think, "What would I want my customers to search?" Or if they were searching for a pillow, what would they Google? And then I would take, you know, the first. I mean, typically the first page is the most important. Look through all those people and then I would go and outreach just one-to-one -one and say, hey, I noticed you had this article. Here is a short introduction to, to our pillow. Um, and we also are part of XYZ affiliate program that I noticed that you have also used with others. And I think leading with that, I mean, if you're looking at an article where every single link is an affiliate link, you're not going to get on that list, unfortunately, without also having an affiliate link. So I just kind of hover over all the links and see what are they using, the platform that they're already used to, um, and then, you know, make sure we're on a handful of those and then we'll, uh, I'll do the outreach myself. Do you consider that like recurring revenue? Is that revenue that continues to go over time? Is it something you have to, now that you are, and I want, we'll get into PR, now that you've kind of pivoted more to the PR grind, does that keep going or does it require constant sort of tweaking? 
We still get sales from articles we were listed in a year ago. So it's mm -hmm. a lot of upfront work, but it, it did have kind of a long lifespan. I will say a lot of our early articles are starting to trail off now. So, you know, new ones are introduced all the time. So it is something you have to keep up with, which is, you know, okay, now who's ranking today? That might be different from who was number one six months ago and then making sure that you get back on those. Obviously, I know there's a lot of people who get on those lists in the beginning. Obviously, somebody had already created them with, you know, five people on them already. So um, that's where, you know, having the relationships with the, the actual sites and the, the publishers comes in where you can kind of get on those first. But I didn't have those relationships, especially when we started. So I was looking primarily at what was existing already. What, what's been your most successful press hit so far? A hundred percent, the Globe and Mail. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Like we just from that article and the like two days following, we like blew Black Friday, <laughs> like out of the water from last year. And I think it comes down to as well, who our audience is. So when I, you know, what I, one thing I learned from last year, I did a lot of influencers. I did a lot of, you know, social, I tried TikTok and really realized that the people actually buying our product were over 50 a lot of the time, right? That was our primary audience for our buyers and they're not on TikTok. <laughs> like some of them are, but that's not the primary place that they are. And so I think that's another reason why getting into more traditional channels has worked. That's super, super interesting. Hence the Pillowpedic, which probably is uh, branded, but that brand would be, but like, so I'm interested, what, what, how have you changed your approach since finding out this is your, have you made any adjustments yet? Yeah, I stopped posting on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I posted the other day, like just, just for fun, but um, it's not something that I wake up now every morning and think I have to be on there. And of course, it would be great to be everywhere, but I don't have the team and the resources to be on every channel, let alone do every channel well. So I need to be very particular about what I am doing. So yeah, PR has been a big one. We still get traffic from some of our early SEO as well. So in terms of where I want to invest, SEO is one. Email is another place I want to invest and honestly in person. I know this is the D2C podcast, but getting in person has been really helpful for us. We've been testing different pop-ups. We just did a show over the weekend and getting in person with people has been huge. A, but from a market research perspective, but also um, having, just seeing the reactions of people who touch the product and, and understand it. And a lot of people who have like me have tried every pillow out there and then they touch it and they understand it. So for me, retail is a place that I'm, I'm really, really thinking about right now. And it's going to be a big focus for next year as well. We like to manifest on the podcast. And I think there's probably a lot of, we're, we, we think our, of ourselves as an omni-channel podcast, so don't worry about it. And so who, who is your ultimate retailers? The Bay, I guess. You want to have, or like in Canada specifically, this is a very CanCon podcast. I love it. We have yeah. a very US base, but, uh, but what, so what's the ultimate sort of retail experience do you think for, for Henry? For Canada in particular, I would say the Bay. And then I would also say um, Indigo. I know they're going big into wellness um, and that would be a big one as well. And then in the US, I know I always had Nordstrom on my vision board and they just retreated. So, uh, you know, if, if we were to go into the US, that would be one on my list. 
And then what would it look like? Would would it be a way that shows you, like how would you display the product in, in a retail experience to give people an idea that it was like the first, most pillows aren't customizable. Like there probably are some customizable p- pillows, but I, I don't think I've seen them. Yeah, I, I definitely being on a bed is is <laughs> important. And I always tell people that, you know, you can't test a pillow in a store because it's not your mattress, but I think that's the easiest place to to test it out you know would actually just squeeze it and, and touch the pillow and just honestly just from my experience of doing the in-person events even just having the pillow by itself on a shelf where people can you know touch it and open it and do all of that that is is a huge thing for us and of course re- I would need better retail packaging for some of these stores um, so that's something that I've been looking into as well very cool. I think for the record, with the right landing page, I think you can have a very good direct-to-consumer experience. Talk a little bit about the price point. Because pillows are always, you know, when I when, when I have wanted to invest in pillows, I'm always like, ooh, they're, they're quite expensive now. But talk, but also, they're, they're a fraction of the cost that you'd be willing to spend without blinking an eye on a bed. Uh, so talk about how you priced uh, Henry. Yeah, so we're priced at $199 Canadian on our Canadian site, the US consumers might see a different price. Um, but our manufacturing costs are are quite high. And we get a lot of, I didn't want to, to be honest, it should be priced a lot higher. And I really thought that people would think that is too high. And just talking to people and getting kind of that live feedback, they're often like, oh, that's not bad. Or I was expecting it to be more once they actually can see it in person and see the quality where we have all the way down to, you know, the piping and the stitching and everything is, is, is very well done. All of our materials are super premium. So it is a high manufacturing cost. Um, but yeah, we're at 199. Will we always be at 199? I don't, I don't know. But if you think about the cost of, you know, you're investing in your wellness, you're sleeping and breathing on this, for eight hours a night, mm-hmm. hopefully. So that is a, a really large portion of your life that you're you're on that. And think of like a fitness class. Some people would spend that gym membership for one month would be more than that. And you're not growing it on ads as well. Your people are, are coming to it warm. They're coming to it from a, a trusted recommendation in a lot of ways too. Like I think you could I think you could potentially, you know, do 300 or five for two. I feel I, I, cause I see you have a 10% discount for two. I think if you bump the price, you could offer a more significant discount. Cause I feel like a lot, the use, a lot of people will be buying two at a time or yeah, what's that? What is, what does the AOV look like? I'm actually glad you asked that because I introduced that pretty late. So I introduced that last year. I think I was on a call with another founder and I, I think they had that idea and I just threw it up one day and discovered that, you know, a lot of people did. I never sold two until I put up the two pack. And now yep. probably 30% of people purchase the two pack, which is incredible. Yeah. Not only that, if you are familiar with Canadian shipping prices, it's actually a marginal increase in the shipping cost to ship two compared to one. So it, we're actually taking home more <laughs> because we include shipping in the price. 
Very cool. Uh, and then I wanted to talk too, because you just also came off, you mentioned like a home show. And that's something I've never talked about on the podcast before. What, talk about the home show experience. You're literally, you're slinging. You're, you're there to sell. It's like a consumer. It's not like a business to business conference. It's a business to consumer conference. It's both. Or it's both. It's both. Yeah. So we just wrapped up the weekend at IDS in Vancouver, which is the interior design show. And again, that was also recommended to me from, from another founder who had done it in Toronto. And I had no idea what to expect. I, I booked a fairly large booth, was super intimidated. Um, but yeah, so Friday, the Friday was all industry. So all trades, um, a lot of interior design, um, a lot of textile people. So quite interesting. The first time I've ever had people come up to me and say, I know what KPOG is. <laughs> before that, like most consumers are like, I've never heard of this before. Um, and the weekend was consumers. So anyone could buy a ticket and attend. So it was super interesting. I brought I think like five displays in different sizes to show people all the different sizes that they could get and how it would feel in the full size versus how it feels in the smaller size. So it was honestly fascinating. Just, it was a, a really solid combination between consumers. We actually sold, we sold enough of the show to pay for being there, which is amazing. So it was, and even just an experiment of market research, we learned so much. I asked everyone what they're sleeping on. Um, every time someone would walk by, I would say, they would kind of look, you know, they kind of like look at your booth and they're not sure. And I would always say, just touch it, squeeze it, pick it up. Um, and then, you know, that would just lead to a whole conversation. At the busiest times, I would have sometimes like three or four different people squeezing pillows and I would just be like literally slinging them at different people um, and getting them to, to squeeze them. So it was super interesting. You're going to do it again then? I'm looking at, so Toronto is in, I think, January. So I've already started to look at that. Toronto is a huge market for us. Uh, I really thought when we launched, because we're based in Vancouver, that would be the primary audience. We used all Vancouver influencers in the beginning, but majority of our sales are Ontario and Quebec. So I think that would be, it's also a bigger show out there. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to test that market for sure. And a lot of wholesale inquiries as well. Do you know who you have to bring to this next show you go to? You have to take out a page of Midday Squares and you have to bring a videographer because you could get so much great content with yeah. you, like, you know, experiencing the product, people experiencing it, like that kind of content in a, in a direct to consumer funnel or, or in any funnel, I think could be super, super valuable. So I you should try that. I love that. I was also eating some Midday Squares backstage to keep me, nice. keep me going nice. <laughs> throughout the show. Nice. Don't mention it. I'm still on my fast. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we don't need to get into it. Nice. Very cool. So I think one of the things I always I always love to ask is uh, if we were to give you fifty thousand uh, dollars to use it in the growth of Henry, how what would you where would you put that? Easily in hiring. So obviously not not full time. I don't think we're quite there yet. But um, I would love to bring on an expert, especially looking at Q four around the corner, and BFCM coming up. We have a lot of untapped potential with our email marketing. And I would love to invest in that. And it's not something I'm an expert in. So I think definitely bringing on, on some support from both, you know, the strategy perspective, but also just design and actually helping build that out. Do you know what you have to call your newsletter? What? <laughs> Pillow talk. 
you got you should that's our blog name actually that's your okay that's great yeah blog podcast whatever and it's in it's to me it's an interesting opportunity like we always talk about brands becoming content factories and becoming media companies, the really smart ones in a way. And I feel like pillows have that opportunity uh, because it's, there's something about, there's something about a pillow. You put your head right there. There's like, there's an interesting opportunity for content around the wellness that a pillow enables, I feel like. Yeah. And not only that, and, and we have some other, I'm working on some other products as well that are kind of adjacent to, to the pillow space. There's a lot in pillows. So we have an article on the site about how to choose the right size of pillow, but there's also a lot around sleep that people don't realize impacts them. So all the way from how you wake up throughout the day, how you're managing your cortisol. There's so much, what you're eating, what you aren't eating, like there's so much that impacts how you sleep. So I think, and a lot of it's in my in my head. So it's all about how do I get that out and share that with people so I can, you know, keep spreading the, the, the word about, about how to sleep well. Yeah, the big unlock will be retail. And then also like, I know this is a controversial brand, but like, I think of like the audience of my pillow guy. You know what I mean? There's probably, there's millions and millions, tens of millions of people out there who would like a better alternative potentially, especially in that older audience, which is such a, a more attractive audience from a having money standpoint these days. So I just, that's just really figuring out how to embrace and, and find other media sources like, like the Globe and Mail that really reach that audience in a, in a persuasive way. Super cool. Definitely. And I think video is going to be, you mentioned video, but I think that's going to be a big one because just over the weekend, seeing people, you know, they come, they've never heard of us before. They were never even considering, they were in the market for a pillow. And then to have someone come up to me and within 15 minutes, they're leaving with, you know, almost $400 worth of pillows is kind of wild. So how can I take that pitch and that in-person kind of experience and use video to to bring that onto the D2C side. 100%. And super validating for your entrepreneurial journey. So congratulations on, uh, I'm you. excited to see where it's it goes. Yeah. to be behind the screen and not know what anyone's thinking. Yeah. More founders got to get out there, go to these trade shows, mix it up, record it for your D2C funnels, which we'll talk about later. I'm super excited. I get to meet you in person this week. You're coming to our Vancouver event. I think this will probably not be out in time for that to alert anyone, but we hope to be doing some more meetups in partnership with Pilot House in the next little while. So uh, you can catch us there. Uh, Henry.com, get get a pillow. I think I'm going to go grab one right now. I also, um, I have just before this made a coupon code for you. So for oh, the fantastic. listeners, DTC10 will give you 10% off your first purchase. Fantastic. Awesome. Thanks so much, Larissa. Awesome. Take care. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumer, all one word, dot co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.